Welcome to the Maitripa College podcast. Maitripa College is a Buddhist institution of higher education founded by Yangtze Rinpoche in 2005 in Portland, Oregon. We offer two graduate degree programs, a Master of Arts in Buddhist Studies and a Master of Divinity, and Classical Tibetan Language Studies year-round and through a summer intensive format. Founded upon three pillars of scholarship, meditation, and service, the Maitripa College curriculum combines Western academic contemplative learning and traditional Tibetan Buddhist disciplines. Through the development of wisdom and compassion, our graduates are empowered with a sense of responsibility to work joyfully for the well-being of others. They become agents of positive change in the world and are shaping the development of Buddhism in the West. As scholar practitioners, chaplains, professional translators, doctoral degree candidates, leaders in the nonprofit world, educators, and more. We invite you to join us to make your practice your life. In this week's episode, taken from our community programming, Yang Sirimche teaches about your true nature, introduction to the 37 practices of bodhisattvas. My random Dharma thoughts integrating with the 37 bodhisattvas <laughs> practice, maybe at least you get some blessing from the 37 Bodhisattvas way of life, this text that I received teaching from His Holiness and this lineage blessing. And uh, uh, so, <clears throat> you know, uh, so if you don't go in Google and trying to find, or Amazon or trying to find the root text, <laughs> If you have, as fine. And today I was just going to a uh, little bit read through the uh, in the beginning beginning uh, verse. Uh, <coughs> um, um, so. <coughs> Kasselorvens so, uh, here, uh, like prostration, our in a Buddha of compassion. Uh, so this verse, uh, one of the enlightened quality, uh, basically describing from the wisdom way of perceiving the self and the phenomena, self and sentient being, and uh, that wisdom quality 
is uh, there's uh, not necessarily having kind of conventional conventional coming and going uh, maybe uh, so here uh, the I think this is a this is I think the the message behind when we experience compassion when we s- feel you know some somebody you know going through difficulty coming out from the difficulty there is you know when something is coming out from the difficulty there is sense of feeling of joy somebody is going through difficulty there is sense of empathy both are really wonderful but now the question comes also enlightened beings buddha or avalokiteshvara i think it's pretty much the same uh, when some sentient beings go through karmic difficulty there is uh, empathy and compassion by avalokiteshvara and uh, when sentient being due to their own previous lives karma and this lives their effort and condition somehow overcoming and t- going through transformation of course uh, guru avalokiteshvara buddha avalokiteshvara uh, have a tremendous high say <clears throat> uh, rejoice or some kind of uh, joy experience or uh i think definitely this so i think that way sentient being we experience in a way the enlightened being experience in a some level have a similarity but here the difference is uh, when we experience joy and we, we when we experience empathy uh it becomes some kind of temporary something becomes limited something becomes uh, 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 how you say <clears throat> uh, conditional now buddha avalokiteshvara the enlightened beings when they experience unconditional infinite so so now this beginning of the 37 bodhisattvas practice and the verse number first is just fundamentally it's saying is uh, <clears throat> the way the the limitation that we experience the compassion becomes a conditional rejoice becomes a conditional uh, fundamentally is because what really makes the fundamental uh, i say limitation and uh, conditional uh the view the way we perceive suffering the way we perceive uh uh the sentient being and uh, the for, for us is not intentionally we trying to see as the intrinsic existence of sentient beings we are not intended uh how you say <laughs> un unintended definitely we are not making intentionally 
maybe if we are strongly struck, stuck with the Bayesian philosophical view, and for a certain extent mind-only philosophical view, then of course, philosophically, we are motivated to see sentient being as an intrinsic existence, inherently you know, intrinsic existence or truly existence. Uh, so now, in a way, is a good news <laughs> that we are not intentionally trying to see uh, uh, ourselves and all sentient beings as intrinsically existent. This is a somehow through habit. This is a somehow through somehow. Uh, you know, it's very I say innocent in in a certain way. It's innocent. So. Uh, so over here, non-seeing, so, so fundamentally, uh, quality of an enlightened being is a something, quality is a defined, you know, so quality is a defined through way the wisdom, way enlightened mind sees the phenomena. Their, how their consciousness able to observe the phenomena. Of course, when we realize emptiness, I think there is a something intention at the beginning. Maybe there is an intention involved to see our own self and sentient being as a lack of intrinsic existence. There is a, some kind of like a just nature we're interdependent. There is nothing kind of like there is a it is a kind of like a maybe contrived intention, contrived. Wisdom, and through these force is still contrived, but is really wonderful. Is good through this force of the contrived int positive intention and contrived positive wisdom. Yes, we able to see self and sentient being. Uh, lack of intrinsic. There's no such a thing as intrinsic. Since is a contrived, again, still still is very wonderful, you know very fortunate to be able to do that, but still it is limited. Now for the, here the Gyalse when he trying to describing the enlightened quality, and particularly where it experiencing compassion through uncontrived wisdom, way of seeing suffering sentient being. You know, so that's the, that's the really the, uh, So, from that point of view, uh, so, you know, <laughs> enlightenment is, a, in a bodhicitta, when you're doing meditation in bodhicitta, we want to obtain enlightenment. So, enlightenment is the other side of the coin, which can be, you know, one side of the coin can be ignorant, and the really enlightenment is the other side of the coin. <laughs> okay, in a way, uh, this is nothing. Some, you know, of course, some sometimes. So basically, the definition of enlightenment defined through where the mind experience, where the mind experience. The world, the phenomena, you know, 
Samsara and Nirvana is also defined through where the mind experience uh, the karma. Okay, so <clears throat> and sometimes I feel when I when I read in a Buddha nature text like Uttara Tantra and Mahamudra, when I reflect, I feel samsara is maybe 10% and nirvana is uh, 90% within the us. But this samsara, 10% is so loud, is, is, is so loud, it almost, you know, kind of hijacks the Buddha nature and sounds like we are so terrible, we are so kind of hopeless. <laughs> maybe in reality, it just it just hijacked by this samsara. In reality, samsara have only space in the in the, our consciousness, in our mind, our mind continuum. Maybe samsara have only ten percent shareholder <laughs> of the Buddha nature, <laughs> and, uh, and nirvana is ninety uh, percent of the shareholder. However. The 10% shareholder of a Buddha nature ever so loud, so noisy. It sounds like it owns everything. And we got so discouraged. So I think we need to tell loudly when we're trying to do meditation, we need to tell, you are just 10%. <laughs> Samsara, you're only 10%. You, you act like you, 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 you are the, you are the, all the, you know, Buddha nature. <laughs> you own the whole the Buddha nature. But I think we need to we need to tell this. You know, we need to tell this often because otherwise it is uh, so loud and so noisy and so <clears throat> on the front. Uh, so, so anyway, you know, now sometimes you know we have this kind of different imagination when the enlightenment something so far and so different. In a way to look at it, it's just the consciousness, the, the awareness, how it experiences the phenomena. Uh, and uncontrived way, in a spontaneous way. Okay? Uh, so, so it is, a, enlightenment is a defined through you know, my future enlightenment is a divine through my own consciousness. How it experience transform, and you know, there's a way of experiencing reality without the changing the external karmic result. You know, you know, sometime. You know, I remember early, early time I used to travel. To Arizona, <laughs> Arizona, and uh, sometimes I feel like Arizona is so dry and hot, and you know, so all the time uh, air conditioned. <laughs> so I feel like uh, very, how you say, hesitant to go to Arizona. <laughs> 
And then one time, my friend of mine, he moved to Arizona, and somehow I have this kind of like mind of a, uh, you know, after that, my, my, you know, Arizona a little bit transformed into a pure land <laughs> because of the perception changing. <laughs> so, so again, uh, so fundamentally, you know, what I'm trying to communicate over here is uh, we as a human being, I think, yes, of course, we're trying to take care of our health and everything. I think we have to definitely have to make a, some level of a daily effort uh, trying to recognize and acknowledging that the way we perceiving self and other some kind of like a intrinsicness uh, and based on that our behavior silly behavior childish behavior and uh, and due to that uh, Tramper Trentum. And uh, I think slowly we get more mindful and we're not able to shift and transform, but just observing and recognizing that, even just that, can be really, really, really beneficial. Really, really can give you a deep healing. Karmic healing. Karmic healing can happen only once we're able to acknowledge and recognize the uh, how our habit of our own perception, how we perceive our own self and other. You know, we have to have at least five minutes or ten minutes some kind of yoga, wisdom yoga, in daily basis, preparing some kind of that kind of approach. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's a, I think it's, it's, it's nothing have to do with the Buddhism. It's nothing the religion. It's just this consciousness we have, this awareness we have, and this this is also source of a, can be source of a trouble. And we need to accept our, you know, see our uh, error or mistake and acknowledging our mistake. Not the symptoms, but the source. And again, I think uh, it is a, I think it's a really, you know, it, in the philosophical text, it says, oh, if you don't, it's, it's have a, like a, we haven't realized emptiness. It, in philosophical text, they, say they are like a, Childish, like a bodhisattva, bodhisattva path, bodhisattva path in the preparation, and bodhisattva in the path of accumulation, and joglam. Generally speaking, is not necessarily considered as a have a direct realization of emptiness. And philosophical text it says a bodhisattva path on preparation and bodhisattva in the path of accumulation. There are. Sosukibo means kind of like a chip, like a kind of like a unmature, not mature. You know, so uh, so basically, uh, 
I think, you know, this kind of like a approach for meditation about emptiness, you know, sometimes we say just dissolve, just dissolve. I think we are missing several steps ahead and jumping ahead and trying to dissolve. Uh, so we can do those dissolving through logic, through visualization, but because we're, we're missing some preparation, so when we come out from our, you know, session, we are back to same individual and uh, taking everything's too personal and serious and getting uh, reactive. So, you know, I think in a session to go through logically trying to dissolving intrinsicness or through visualization trying to dissolving intrinsic reality of self and phenomena, but I think some kind of preliminary, there's a constant kind of like a seeing, intrinsic grasping, intrinsic perception, intrinsic view of a self and another. It's constantly recognizing that constantly. And we have an infinite opportunity, infinite opportunity to see that. So I think it's a really, really important to, otherwise, <coughs> habit kicks, and we are sucked into that grasping and uh, becoming so childish, behaving of a childish. You know? So therefore, fundamentally important is uh, not necessarily having strong inspiration or temptation to realizing emptiness, but we need to make a strong effort to seeing the grasping behavior. That's, I think, much more. Sometimes we don't want to see the grasping behavior, but we want to inspire to realizing emptiness. I think we are missing some important part. So, uh, so again, you know, that's, I think, uh, so... <clears throat> So fundamentally, enlightenment is a defined based on a function of a consciousness. And a consciousness that becomes infinite is, is way of engaging, have no limitation, is not based on a condition, spontaneous, non-duality. That's, that's the enlightenment. And it's so, so this whole... Uh, <clears throat> Nagarjuna's designing all this philosophical and all this is is really only one purpose, only one purpose. One purpose is how to work with our own mind. Sometimes we we have this habit: is all things about obtaining enlightenment. I think it becomes a little bit. We need to choose the language carefully from the beginning. I think we choose the language. It, the whole thing the teaching is to obtain enlightenment. Yes, technically is right. But I think we need to tell it need to how to work with the my own consciousness. That language have to be first. That sound we need to hear first. That thought need to come to first. Uh, so so that's I think the then I think uh, 
I think we we you know once we come through that, once we're working with the root issue, the bottom of the issue, which is uh, at this moment Nagarjuna and all the great masters a hint for us is the view of intrinsic, is what is uh, the the blame was blamed. <laughs> The blaming went to that, our own view of intrinsic. Okay, so let's see. Let's we. Is that true or not? We don't have another uh, source at this moment. Uh, you know, again, you know, if you, you know, believing in Creator God, then you know, of course, God punishment and so on and so forth. But once you are <laughs> now. Right. Since since we are all atheists, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, was uh, one of my st- uh, students friend in Puerto Rico, and I, she came to see me. And I think she, you know, obviously she was a grown up as a Catholic. And one day she came, and then she slowly kind of you know, you know, followed Buddha's path. And then she, she told me one time she said, "Buddhism really organized my atheism." <laughs> It it's put together all in the okay. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, so so I think lots of time we need to see when you're doing our commitment, when we're doing our anything, it is all about uh, how you say our brain is all about our brain, it's all about our consciousness. It trying to, it is, it is trying to establishing more healthy uh, neural connections. <laughs> it's in a basically, uh, it's all about consciousness. It's all about the mind. Okay, that's it. It's we need to see. It's all about the mind. Okay, I do my commitment. So, my. Teacher will be happy, or Buddha will be happy. <laughs> Even Tibet, there's a way of saying. Uh, uh, Tibet is this, this is, uh, because I think this one person went to teaching, and this teacher was uh, so much teaching on the karma. The, all the teaching went through karma. Don't accumulate a negative karma. Uh, that all. It's, it's, so, the audience, this person, this nomad guy, he got kind of misunderstood. And he thought, if he don't engage in a negative karma, there's something benefit for the Buddha. <laughs> then he expressed, okay, if Buddha it makes difference for you, then of course I will stop engaging into, uh, you know, because the teachers keep saying Buddha said this one Buddha sutra quotation is keep going. So he thought it was like. Maybe it's, that means a lot to Buddha. And he said, okay, if that means a lot for you, I will stop engaging into negativity karma. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes when we do our commitment, and sometimes when we do our own, we have a sl- oh, uh, because I, I did this commitment, so it's, I'm doing for... <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is most fundamentally important. So... Uh, <clears throat> So now my key thing over here is uh, uh, the blockage into the our consciousness uh, to concentrate, to 
to see clarity, to see ultimate nature, is the only one thing. The blockage is, uh, you know, coming through where we perceive phenomena as intrinsic, and then it have a not necessarily intentionally. Intentionally, we're trying to see that there is an innate, that's kind of like a uncontrived nature is coming through that. So. Uh, so what what I feel sometimes any meditation we do, any meditation, any practice we do, we have a kind of drop of a wisdom. Uh, you know, at least even with the visualization, even with the word, even with a, some kind of verse, trying to expressing, you know, this is just where I perceive is there's no intrinsically such a thing. And I think keep expressing and keep shouting, <laughs> keep shouting, <laughs> keep keep protesting. <laughs> you know, uh, this. Uh, uh, so, I think it is. A, uh, so so here fundamentally. You know, all the phenomena, it sees as, it sees there's nothing coming, nothing going. It's, it's perceived nothing coming and nothing going. Okay? Nothing coming and nothing. Namjo create a little bit of distraction for me. Uh, However, it all the time, and I'm doing my roughly translation, all the time engaging into benefiting for sentient beings. So Guru Avalokiteshwara are going to make a, uh, you know, homage or prostration. So for this verse, for me to take in really trying to uh, you know, basically wisdom quality uh, and uh, perception, perceiving how you perceive. So, so basically, enlightenment is, you know, whatever we call enlightenment, I want to often enlighten, I want to become Buddha. Uh, you know, this is Buddha, this is not Buddha. You know, all this, all this uh, discussion or I think You know, <clears throat> um, the veil of the intrinsic appearing, once we're able to clear up, that's all. The cataract of the intrinsic view, when you remove, that's all. We don't need to have a different eye. I, we can lift our eye, just leave it. So, just basically, Buddha nature the, is the true nature of our, our consciousness, true nature of our mind. All the enlightenment is to kind of like a, uh, removing or dissolving or healing that kind of intrinsic perception. Okay? So, Okay. <clears throat> mm. 
So maybe, you know, I think, uh, you know, sometime it will be good. You take your own kind of like a commitment. Okay. You know, from the new moon, from today the new moon for until the full moon, I will be really pay attentioning my perceptions of intrinsic existence. Like a minor precept. Minor precept you can do 24 hours. Maybe we should have a wisdom precept for 24 hours. <laughs> like a basically precepts that is, uh, you know, just creating around the wisdom. And then minor precept can be very easy, I think. You know, since we don't, we don't have a, a kind of like a precepts related with the wisdom and, you know, like a, when you do a precept, <laughs> when, when we do my the precepts, you know, our look, the nyungne, you know, you do the our look, the shara, maybe we should have a, some kind of a nyungne related with the manjushiri. <laughs> manjushiri nyungne. And that nyungne requires uh, fasting of a grasping of truly existence. <laughs> Maybe you know, first day is okay to have a, until noon. You can have a certain level of grasping. <laughs> Evening no grasping, and the next day absolutely no. You know, <laughs> uh, absolutely fasting the grasping, and uh, you know manjushri nyungne. You know that would be like a, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, no, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, obviously uh, fasting have a many different uh, benefits, but the wisdom fasting is the fasting of a grass dissolving of the intrinsic view. You know, otherwise, you know, maybe we should have like a Nyungni related with the Manjushiri first, and then that becomes a f foundation, then do the you know, and then you have like a really smooth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, the my key point, my key point over here is, uh, uh, my key point over here is, uh, you know, sometimes we do mindfulness, sometimes we try to, I want to do shine. Uh, we have uh, all these different plans, but uh, we not really prepare the foundation. Okay, so we need to put some kind of effort, some kind of attention into the foundation, you know, because once we have a grasping, once the grasping is all the time there, uh, it, our concentration practice is unsecure, uninsured, <laughs> in today's world, uninsured. <laughs> uh, Risking our own concentration practice, you know, so basically, fundamentally, I think it's really important to some way to step number one, recognizing, creating habit to seeing and recognizing and acknowledging this kind of, uh, reactive behavior, which is coming from directly intrinsic, inherent. You know, so that's constantly not get reacting for the reaction, but pay attentioning that reaction created by intrinsic view.
of self or action or action doer or object, all that things. You know, so, uh, so I think this 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 kind of like a observation, uh, even just you don't need trying to dissolve, you don't trying to apply logic of dependent origination of a four point analysis. Even that kind of a posture of our own consciousness, I wouldn't say like posture or that kind of gaze of our own consciousness and mind, it can shake the samsara, the affliction, you know, the delusion, the ignorant. You know, so therefore, uh, therefore, I think. Uh, Really, 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 really important to uh, mindfulness of how we perceive our own self, our friend, surrounding world. I think that's much more important, and you know, being aware, you know. And then I think step number one: we will starting to laughing for our own self. That's good news, I think. You know, so uh, once we not laughing for our own selves, once we take our own selves so serious, <laughs> uh, <coughs> you know, so uh, so I think I, you know, I'm just throwing some ideas, but I think you know. In your daily practice, you know, really trying to you know, applying, trying to see this kind of way, you know, not get caught, uh, not by swept by this grasping mind, you know, that's it, uh, constantly, you know. You know, anybody tells you to you, are you a stupid? We don't like that word. But once you recognize these things, you can say stupid for yourself. I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, telling you, don't be silly, don't be stupid. You, know, you can tell yourself. I think sometimes I tell myself, it's okay. It's okay. When when so I recognize, it is not painful. It is just kind of, it's good. You know. So, so so anyway, uh, uh, not so so fundamentally. Uh, you know, sometimes this kind of uh, shaking our own self. You know, because the ego. Kind of systematically creating this kind of view of intrinsic uh, is so kind of like a constructed, you know, so constructed. So sometimes we need to a little bit kind of shake uh, whatever condition, whatever whatever condition that we have, some way to kind of uh, so. Uh, so, 
in a way, it sounds looks like a too self-focused. Looks like it's so self-focused, but the natural impact from this, the compassion is not effortless compassion. I think it's naturally, you know, it's kind of like openness of your heart. You know, you know <clears throat> wisdom's hard work, and I think the natural openness, infinite ro infinite compassion. You know, I think it's somehow you st you open up the gate. You know that blockage. Uh, I think not necessarily make a separate effort. However, I think at the beginning when you're doing the wisdom, it looks like, you know, it is like so much focusing into the, our own self-consciousness, consciousness of our own self. Uh, and in, in, sometimes there is a danger of a falling into us for some kind of selfishness. Yes, definitely. Therefore, uh, you know, this concept of uh, emptiness, emptiness. Emptiness of emptiness, you know. So this is also true. Furthermore, purifying. So there's no kind of like, you know, condition to creating our ego grasping, ego grasping. You know. So therefore, <clears throat> so fundamentally, what I'm saying is, uh, we need to find whatever means and condition to recognizing the intrinsic view and not necessarily hurrying to destroying or defeating or negating such a view, but, you know, kind of through observing the suffering and pain and confusion, then I think the, yeah, the wisdom, the, the logic, the repetition, the, the, the dissolving process may happen naturally or some kind of effortless or maybe very inspired. Otherwise, if we become so much kind of like a um, attacking mood, attacking mood for grasping of truly existence creates more grasping of truly existence. Uh, so, giving of space to mindfulness, our observing that, then without this kind of like a grasping into dissolving the intrinsic perception, there is a much more kind way and gentle way. Uh, so, so anyway, so my main thing is this verse number first, the, we, we as a Buddhist, Buddhist, inspired by Buddhism, as a Buddhist, you know, enlightenment is very important. And way we define enlightenment, I think a little bit redirect, recreate. Uh, and then what we can do, and now, is really trying to cultivate mindfulness, a way to perceiving what we perceive. Uh, perception. Okay. Kangi chukun jomun mesi kyan, 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 jomun mesi kyan,
Pendi cümlen zor ve sanginin tam cümle cümle teyani değil anlayışlara lebe gazenim gel anlayış yapacağız. Okay. So, so that's today's Sunday morning teaching. Thank you. Okay, maybe. So thank thank you for so, you know not staying too long in the, the screen. <laughs> Maybe virtual screen, we say, oh, not more than an hour. Then you comes the smartphone, we spend hours and hours. <laughs> so again, <laughs> apply the discipline in the same way. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so being, being, being mindfulness, you know, like, you know, I mean, we are we we have so many conditions, you know so many conditions to get distracted uh, you know if shanti devas or nagarjuna or if, if they exist today they might have their own facebook instagram whatsapp messenger <laughs> shanti deva first he have to go through all the things <laughs> Uh, this is uh, another com another commitment. <laughs> All these things. <laughs> so anyway, uh, maybe part of the Bodhisattva vow he will cut through. You cannot have a messenger. You cannot have a WhatsApp. You cannot have. <laughs> maybe even the minor precepts. They'll say, okay, part of the precept number one: no, <laughs> no internet connections. <laughs> The Nyungne Nyungne introduction first is gonna say, okay, uh, <laughs> if you get internet connection, the downfalls, the Bodhisattva and the downfalls. Uh, uh, so so anyway, uh, again, we are in the world that have uh, so much in a condition that's you know so uh, even our short limited amount of uh, concentration and and uh, discipline and i think we need to acknowledge it have a tremendous karmically really i think uh, really powerful conditionally bad news karmically another another point of view is good news our effort you know this you know trying to put into the uh, in a virtue, attention into the virtue. You know. So even it is a very, very limited, but I would, I think it's a very important. We need to rejoice, and uh, because otherwise, can overwhelm, and it can become discouragement. But however, you know, slowly, slowly, you know, transforming, and and uh, creating the discipline. Thank you for listening to the Maitripa College podcast. This podcast was produced by Alfredo Pinheiro, Tiffany Blumenthal, Andrew Hughes, Kate McDonalds, and me, your host, Namdrol Miranda Adams.